This is the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Schmedeke. It is time to preview the college football weekend with Tyler King. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast College Football Preview Edition. So today I am joined by Tyler King to break it all down. Tyler, how's it going? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, we got a pretty exciting weekend upon us from college football here locally, uh, starting Friday with the Buffs and Stanford. Uh, but let's check back first with last week. Uh, the Buffs go on the road and beat Arizona State in a uh, – <laughs> even though Coach Deion Sanders wasn't thrilled with the game, and we'll we'll get your opinion on that in a second. But, you know, for a team that won one game last year, winning a road game in conference I think is a big step. And I was wondering if you felt the same way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were only like a three and a half point favorite in the game going in. And we talked last week about how it's it's been a long time since uh, CU was a road favorite against anybody, um, let alone in the Pac-12. So, um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things to work on. This is far from a perfect team. We kind of knew that going into the year. Um, we had them at four wins. I think you and I both did in our preseason predictions um just kind of not knowing what 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 to expect for this team and they're they're already at four wins they're they're four and two um they were never going to beat Oregon and USC this season that was just not going to happen but now they've got this first Pac-12 win under their belt for uh Deion Sanders and now they've got another game they should win this week against Stanford which we'll get get much more into that later but um you know they have a chance to be five and two heading into the bye and really if you told any CU fan that Going into the year, I'm sure they would be more than thrilled with that um, that possibility to be, you know, five and two. I mean, the last time they were five and two was 2018. I mean, yep. we all know how that season ended. Obviously, they were five and two up by like 30 at halftime at home to Oregon State, blow that game, and then lose the rest of the way to miss a bowl game in the year that McIntyre is fired. So um, I don't think that's going to happen this year. I do think they do have a good shot to get to uh, bowl eligibility, but which I mean in and of itself for any coach across the country, regardless of, you know, the state of the program you're taking over, um, getting a bowl, getting to a bowl game in in your first season is, should be a success kind of no matter where you are. Um, But especially obviously at CU after watching, like you mentioned, the one and 11 season that we saw last season up in Boulder, which was just, you know, the roster was about as barren as, as it can get um, for a power five team. And obviously things have, have changed pretty quickly here and, um, I think fans, regardless of if the season doesn't end perfectly, should still be pretty happy with how this has gone so far. You know, and I think, you know, if they get the six wins, which I think we both think they will now, um, any bowl game is going to be dying to take them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the suitors are going to be lining up. It'll be interesting to kind of see which representatives are going to be at these CU games in the coming weeks and months uh, as the season winds down. We're half, I mean, we're halfway through the season already, which is – pretty crazy we're six games in but uh yeah teams are going to be bowls are going to be lining up to get the buffs because wherever whatever game gets them is going to be i think it, like i wrote last week i wrote uh, you know my insider about um the how key that game was against arizona state for cu's potential bowl eligibility um but you know i was talking about how you know i think cu's bowl game if they get there will be the most watched and hyped bowl game that's oh, not yeah. in the playoff for sure. Like that's just what's going to happen, especially, you know, ESPN had some, had some projections last week where air force was uh, playing oh, CU wow. in like the Jimmy Kimmel LA bowl, which would just be awesome. I mean, <laughs> that would be one of the 
best non-playoff bowl games we've ever seen. So I think that would be uh, – I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but, I mean, just thinking of that possibility would be something else. Just real quick, I don't think CU wants any part of Air Force. No, I don't think so at all. I don't think they should. No, I think Air Force might be, as I wrote about last week, I think Air Force might be too good for a bowl game with CU, even if um, everyone's dying to get CU in their bowl game. I don't, I think Air Force might end up, be, end up being too good for CU. We'll, we'll definitely touch year. a little bit on Air Force when we get to yeah. the West and CSU because that them in Wyoming, that's a huge game this week. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Real quick, more on the CU, CU beating Arizona State. Um, another just terrible slow start. Like they were yeah. down early again. I kind of rallied late. And then um, so so two things like the slow start is bad, but also I think Dion's comments probably came from um, them giving up that 96 yard drive there at the end. He could not have been happy with that. No, he was very less than pleased. I'll say, you know, post game, he was, um, you know, my main story from from Tempe was, you know, D- about Dion's message post game to the team. You know, he said his the first words out of his mouth were, wonderful win but um after that there was nothing positive about you know what he said post game he was really unhappy with the way they played obviously um giving up that 96 yard game time touchdown drive with 50 seconds to go like you mentioned was a part of that um you know they've gotten up they're gone down again for the for the third straight week they've given up a touchdown on the opening drive and they've failed to score um on their opening offensive series so uh, you know, it's been a slow start on both sides of the ball, and that's something I'll be writing about for Thursday's Denver Gazette tomorrow. Um, is about obviously we've talked a lot about the offensive slow starts, and they haven't scored on the first possession, their first possession since TCU in Week One. But I mean, um, the defense has been good enough to some slow starts here recently too. With um, like I mentioned, allowing touchdowns on the first uh, defensive series on, in the last three games, so. Um, they've really got to get better as a first quarter team. Um, and obviously that plays into Dion's unhappy unhappiness with how they played and Shador getting sacked another five times. I'm sure did that as well. Um, and maybe just the overall response to, to how things were going and they, they pulled it out late, but it didn't feel like, you know, a, a, you know, a positive, a positive day for them, which um, I mean, getting a win is positive, but obviously Dion, as he said, post game has much higher expectations than, than what they what they showed this past weekend. So a couple positives from the game, though. Let's talk about, first of all, um, you know, Shador was great. Again, like, yeah. I don't think we ever he, – he's he, he's got ice in his veins. We'll talk about someone else who has ice in their veins in just a minute. But Javon Antonio, just out of nowhere, you tweeted that he was warming up with tight ends and then yeah. all of a sudden yeah. became their best receiver. And I saw so much on Twitter like, wait, who's Antonio? The, the depth there is just surreal. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy that even though they they haven't had Travis Hunter these last three games that they've been um, just kind of finding guys at wide receiver to make plays. Obviously, that was Omarion Miller against USC with his kind of record breaking 196 yard performance uh, in the second half of that game. But yeah, Javon Antonio was the guy that was benched for Omarion Miller in that USC game. He ran a wrong route. Uh, he just didn't look comfortable out there. He had been dealing with some injuries earlier in the season, made his return for, for the Oregon game, got in, had a couple catches in garbage time there, um, you know, and got the start against USC, but, you know, was not playing well, got benched, like I mentioned. And, yeah, he was warming up with the tight ends at Arizona State. I was, like, kind of stunned to see that. I mean, he's a bigger guy. He's got – this is his last year of eligibility, so maybe that was, like, a, a conversation earlier last week about, hey, if Omarion's going to be starting and playing at wide receiver – then can I try something else? Cause obviously he's got, you know, goals to play at the next level. And 
Um, if he's not playing a wide receiver for this team, that's going to be tough to, you know, find a spot in the next level at wide receiver. But, you know, Omarion Miller had like one catch, I think, in the game against Arizona State. Yeah, one and, for uh, nine yards. Yeah. Yeah, it was like an out route. I remember that play. Um, and then Antonio gets in there like late in the third quarter. Um, it was like that was like his second or third play on the field that he caught the touchdown pass um, in the fourth quarter. And he went on to have a couple more catches. Obviously, the the big one to start the, the game winning field goal drive was 40 yards. He just kind of gets past the busted coverage and is wide open downfield. So, I mean, they're going to need to keep getting performances out of some guys because it seems like there's just just some inconsistent play up and down the roster from guys not named Shador Sanders, uh, like we've mentioned. But um, I mean, that's a positive sign if we're able to, if a guy like Javon Antonio who gets benched a week before is able to respond and uh, have the type of impact at the end of the game like he did. So you wrote about uh, ice cold Alejandro Mata, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's a mouthful. Uh, but he, you know, he drills this winning kick. Uh, Coach Sanders tells him to dance. Uh, so we'll have to rate his dancing skills. But, you know, they've gone through all this stuff with kicker. Like, you know, it was Jace Feely for a while. Um, I'm sorry. What was the guy's name who was doing kickoffs and did not have a good night? Uh, Christian Palazzo. Yeah. So they've used like three different kickers. Like, is Mata just the guy? Like, it feels like he just needs to be the guy. Yeah, it feels like it. I mean, his range doesn't seem like it's much more than the 43-yarder. That was his career best attempt that he had to, to win the game. So um, I, we'll see if there's a long field goal situation. I think um, I think it was earlier in the game they had like a fourth and eight or fourth and nine from like the 29-yard line, which would have been like a 45, 46-ish field goal. Um, and they went for it and got it. Uh, that was on the first touchdown drive that they had. Yep. Oh. Um, but uh, I don't know if there's going to be, if they're going to be going for any long field goals with how inconsistent feel he's been. He's supposed to be the guy that is capable of doing that, but he hasn't, he's been, he just doesn't seem like he has much confidence. He's not even um, booting balls into the, he booting the kickoffs into the end zone. Uh, you know, they've had, they've had trouble with that. Which another, which was another thing Dion was frustrated with post game. He's like, you know, how do we have two kickoffs go out of bounds, you know, whatever. So They've got some struggles there, but for for at least for the forty five yard field goals and in and the extra points, it seems like Mata's their guy. I mean, they say they call him don't miss, Mata don't miss. Um, yeah. He's got all those. He's got all the nicknames, and everyone seems to have confidence in him. He came with from Jackson State. He was um, he only had a field goal and an extra point blocked last season, so he didn't technically miss um, at all last season. So you know, I, I guess he'll be the guy going forward. It seems like for sure. So uh, real quick before we talk about the Pac-12 a little bit, uh, update on Travis Hunter. Yeah, so it looks like he's going to be back this week. It seems like um, this was the, the field. I don't think. Yeah, he... no, yeah, they're, they're, they might have. They're definitely. That's a challenge with Travis Hunter is trying to keep him off off the football field. Um, this was the original timeline that we that was reported. You know, three weeks, um, and uh, with that lacerated liver, and you know, Deion Sanders had said last week when asked about this that he had hoped to keep him out for. Uh, through this Stanford game because obviously the bye is coming up next week um, and then he'd be back for the October 28th game against at UCLA uh, but looks like he's going to be back this week he was out at practice the last couple days um, in pads yesterday and today making plays like he always does so uh, good chance he's back this week and maybe that's a good thing to get him uh, back in game shape ahead of a uh, big game against UCLA later this month. All right, so let's talk Pac-12 a little bit. Uh, you know, the big story last week was, of course, that that Arizona-USC game. USC gets one from Arizona, triple overtime. They finally USC finally pulls it out. 
This week, uh, we've got probably the biggest game of so far of the season, probably. And definitely for sure. Yeah. yeah. In, in Before, Washington and Oregon. Yeah. Obviously, that's going to be uh, a fantastic game. These are, are my two top teams right now in the Pac 12 so far this season. Obviously, you know, USC has had its struggles. Utah has already dropped a game. Um, Oregon State, UCLA, Washington State, all good teams, but one loss teams. And, um, but these undefeated 5-0 Oregon and Washington teams both coming off a bye. So I think that kind of kind of adds to the intrigue in the game just with how both of them are going to respond um, and how they've been game planning for the last week and a half. Um, you know, there's a couple Colorado kids that will play some big roles on either side. You know, um, Washington's right tackle, Roger Rosengarten, is a Valor Christian kid. Um, he protects the, the blind side of lefty quarterback Michael Penix, who – uh, up until last week was leading the country in passing yards. Now it's Shador Sanders again. But um, and for Oregon, their tight end, their starting tight end is a uh, Littleton kid, uh, Terrence Ferguson. He uh, he he went to Heritage, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting game for sure. And it, maybe it's the early, it's the Pac-12 championship game before the Pac-12 championship game, maybe. And uh, I certainly think whoever wins this game is gonna have a fast track to the playoff potentially uh, in this league, as long as um, whoever wins doesn't have any more slip-ups before the, the Pac-12 title game, because there's going to be a lot of competition for the playoff this year. Certainly it seems like there's a chance that um, there's going to be one team from, you know, one team from each conference, no double ups. And that means somebody's champion is probably going to get let, left out. Uh, and I'm sure the Pac-12 would like it to not be them again, as it has been the last couple of years. So Big game this week for both those teams as they, they both have playoff aspirations for sure. Um, it's That'll be tough because the Pac-12 has been probably the best conference so far this year, wouldn't you say? Yeah, the deepest, I would say, yeah, for deepest, sure. Yeah. Um, obviously, the SEC and the Big Ten have the big dogs with, you know, with Georgia, um, with Michigan and, and Ohio State and Penn State all, all in, the, in the Big Ten. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely – we saw earlier this year um, – the Pac-12 at one point had eight teams in the rankings, which was, you know, a record for any conference, a tied record for any conference. That was back when CU was ranked, Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA. Um, all these teams are really good. And, and I feel like um, there could be uh, over half the league is bowl eligible this year. There could be seven, eight, um, probably seven or eight teams will get to bowl eligibility in the Pac-12, which is uh, pretty crazy, you know. Maybe even a ninth, a ninth team gets there. We'll see. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really great conference this year. And as we've talked about, you know, it's just kind of a shame that it's going away after this year because um, it's it's at its best right now for sure. And also in the Pac-12, so USC goes to Notre Dame. I, I read that this is the fourth straight week that Notre Dame will play an undefeated team. Their schedule really? is quite brutal. Yeah, because it was so. Well, no, it was Duke and Louisville, but who was before? Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah, Ohio yeah. State, and yes. Yeah, now that makes it's USC sense. coming there. I mean, USC's got their flaws. Like, you know, they let CU come all the way back. Uh, they, yep. USC won that game. And then, I mean, Arizona, what was what were they up, 17 nothing or something? Yeah, like they that? were. Yeah, or yeah. like the first quarter, I think. It was like a – I remember getting back from the press conference and up to the press box to start my post-game writing, and I was like, wow, USC's down 17 nothing to Arizona at home. Um, and obviously, you know, I watched the end of that game after I was done writing, and it was crazy like we've talked about. But, uh, yeah, that should be a fascinating game, you know, in, in, at Notre Dame Stadium. Um, Notre Dame coming off a loss – um to, to Louisville so you know we'll see if who comes out of that game because they both need that game pretty desperately and another another big one in the Pac-12 is uh, UCLA who's back in the rankings and they're going to Oregon State so both both one-loss teams there 
Yeah, UCLA pulled off a pretty impressive home win over Washington State last weekend. Um, Washington State offense kind of struggled for the first time this year. Uh, UCLA's got a really good defense. I mean, so does Oregon State. That should be a, a pretty physical game on both sides. Um, I think Oregon State's like a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now, so that's going to be a really a tight game. Uh, but, yeah, another another really good week in the Pac-12. Obviously, we've got CU on Friday night, but then obviously Oregon-Washington, USC-Notre Dame, and UCLA-Oregon State. So, like we've been saying, great games in the Pac-12 every week this season. All right, let's do a let's flip to the Mountain West and CSU. Um, tough game last week for them. They were up, yeah, seventeen three after the first quarter, but ended up losing seventeen. 30. Yeah, they jumped out to a seventeen nothing lead too. Yeah, it was yeah. And they, they lost gave a thirty four uh thirty four unanswered points. Yeah, so I mean, a tough loss for CSU, and I think this is one that you and I kind of thought they'd pull out and would help. So, so what? I mean, I know you probably didn't see much of it, but what do you think from that one? Yeah, I watched it. You know. The, the morning after just kind of trying to see what happened because, you know, I'm following along with the stats as the game's going on and um, they jump out to the 17, nothing lead. Like we talked about, it's, it was impressive. Um, Tory Horton had the punt return for a touchdown. It looked like they were going to really put a statement win together up in Logan. And we, like we, like you said, we both thought they'd pull out a close win, but they just fell apart defensively after that first quarter. Um, I think the biggest, and most jarring stat for me was they allowed eight over eight yards on first down in the game. Oh. I mean, that's just you, you're not you're never going to have success when you're playing defensively when you're playing behind like that on every possession. And uh, Utah State kind of did whatever they wanted to do, running the ball, throwing the ball. Um, and CSU just had no response until late in the game. And by that point, the game was well over with. So. Um, yeah, disappointing effort. It seems like uh, for CSU, they've got the stars with Horton and Mo Camara um, on each side of the ball. Some of the best players in the Mountain West, but the depth just hasn't hasn't gotten to where they needed to be at this point. But um, they've got a chance to bounce back this week against Boise State at home. So we'll see what that we'll see what that holds. So okay, yes, yeah, so like you said, Boise State comes to Fort Collins, uh, seven forty five late start Saturday night for them. Uh, April, yep. you know so. Um, you know, Boise State's a little bit down. They're three and three, but they're already two and zero in the Mountain West. Uh, Boise is also favored going to Fort Collins. So, what do we see from that one? Yeah, Boise is it's it's not it's not the team that we thought going into the year. I, I kind of thought they would have a chance to be that top group of five team, um, best team in the Mountain West, a chance to uh, make the Fiesta Bowl. But uh, it seems like they're kind of in that second tier of Mountain West teams right now, which I thought CSU could creep up into, but. I don't think they're there quite yet um, behind the likes of uh, Air Force and Fresno State. And I think Wyoming is a, is a top tier Mountain West team right now as well, which we'll get into. But um, yeah, like you mentioned, Boise is a seven and a half point favorite this week. Um, late kickoff could benefit the Rams. We'll, we'll see. Um, it seems like Torrey Horton is going to be a game time decision this week after getting banged up a little bit last week. He missed uh, the entire second half. Looks like Mo Camara is going to be good to go. It seems like so. Um, they've been banged up at running back, which, which might hurt them. But, um, if there's ever a, cha- a, a game to get, you know, a statement win for Jay Norvell this season, obviously it would have been against CU earlier this season, but now kind of here in Mountain West play, if the Rams want to assert themselves, um, as one of the better middle tier teams in this conference, they need to get a win at home this week against the Boise team that does have its flaws. And, um, Boise had to make a comeback of their own last week at home against San Jose state. I think they were down, uh, 17 nothing pretty early in that game and uh, they've been playing two quarterbacks throughout the season looks like Taylor green the big six foot six quarterback uh, who's just electric is gonna 
maybe has the job solidified back again. So we'll see how that goes, but yeah, I'll be up there for that game. And uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, this is definitely a game. The Rams have to play well and show the rest of the mountain West that they, you know, they're not the same team that they were last year that went three and nine. So so the biggest game in the mountain West is of course, uh, Wyoming heading down to Colorado Springs to play air force. Uh, All of our uh, colleagues out in the Springs will have plenty of coverage of that game uh, on Saturday at 5 p.m. Uh, Air Force, big favorite, 10 and a half. 10 and a half, yeah. Um, You know, I think Wyoming's probably a different team when they're not up there in in Laramie, I I would probably say. Um, But, man, that win against Fresno was huge for them. Uh, You know, real quick, um, you know, that's probably the – I mean, it's the biggest game in the Mountain West for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think it's one of the biggest games this week in general because I do think – um air force has had its struggles with wyoming you know in the past yep um it's a team that they obviously we've and it's tough for anybody to win up in laramie but air force especially has had their struggles up there and yeah this is this is a massive game for air force if they're gonna prove that this is maybe even an improved version of what they've been the last couple years where they've you know they've had multiple 10 win seasons in a row and um they've had a lot of turnover offensively this season with personnel um, you know, a lot of guys that they had to replace in the offseason and they've they haven't missed a beat. And uh I think they should be favorites in this game, but you know, it's 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 gonna be tough. It's Wyoming. They're um Air Force is not gonna be alone in the style of play that they use. It's gonna be a slow, kind of grinded out game on both sides of the ball. Um, and turnovers in a game like this is always gonna be an important factor. So I mean it's gonna it, whoever turns the ball over few us, I think, is gonna come out on top in this one. I mean. Um, I'll definitely have my eye on this one for sure. But like you mentioned, our, our colleagues, Brent Brigaman and, and I think Luke Zalman's going to be there as well, helping cover this game. So, uh, yeah, this is definitely going to be whoever wins this game is going to have a fast track to the, the Mountain West title game because it's the top two teams. Now there's no more divisions in this conference. So top two teams will play in that in the championship game. And uh, the winner of this one will, like I said, should have a fast track to get in there. And the winner will probably jump into the rankings. Um, yeah. Brent broke yeah. that down, I think, on Monday. Yeah, how the winner of this will probably jump up into the rankings. Yeah, I think they're both like 27th or 28th. I don't remember the order, but they're both like right on the the edge of breaking into the top 25. So for sure, the winner will definitely be in there next week. All right, let's do predictions before we talk a little national schedule. Let's go see you first. Of course, they're playing Stanford. CU is a big favorite. They're 11 and a half. Yeah, it was 12. It was 12 yesterday, but I was down to 11 and a half. But um yeah, I still think CU – I mean, when's the last time they were that big of a favorite against anybody that oh, wasn't like an FCS, like a UNC-type team? Um, that's, a, that's, pretty, that's a pretty big number there. But, you know, the Stanford team I do not think is very good. They've got their issues on both sides of the ball. Um, I think CU is going to – I think this is going to be the get-right game that I thought last week could have been for, for CU. Um, and, I, and I do think they'll get back on track and they'll have something maybe like a 38-14 to 14 type win. 38-13, something like that, win over Stanford because I don't think this is a very good Stanford team. First year under Troy Taylor, good coach, but it's just going to take a while for that for that program to get rebuilt after the last couple of years under David Shaw. They were just kind of stuck in a a, a road to nowhere. All right, I, I think CU wins as well. I'm going to go 35-21. Um, yeah, like you said, I think it's a get-right game. I think they, ro- they have five wins going into the bye week, I think. Nobody could ask for anything more. Now, I think more of the question will be if they win, will Dion be upset? I think that <laughs> they, they better come out fast and Shador better not get sacked the whole game because I think that, and he's right. Like he, Shador cannot take that beating like that. Like he, you, they can't. And so, yeah, I think they, they win by double digits. I think 
I mean, a good crowd, good Friday night crowd there. It should be, be sold know, out. It's a what? It'll be sold out. Yeah, it's, I was going to say, is it a whiteout or a blackout or a gold out? Something like that. Yeah. Knows. I mean, uh, so it'll be something. So yeah, I got CU as well. All right, what about CSU Boise? Um, I, I as much as I want to want to pick the Rams, I want to believe that this breakout game is coming. I just don't know if it's going to be this week. Um, I just think there might be just too much talent on the other side of the field um, for, from Boise, and and I think CSU will lose a close one. I think it'll be. Maybe closer than some people expect, but, uh, you know, I'm going to go 24-21 Boise State. Yeah, I think Boise wins, too. I just think that they – Boise just wins in the Mountain West. I just kind of think that's just what they do. So, yeah, probably like – I think like a touchdown game, maybe 24-17, something like that. Um, I mean, it could be higher scoring. I mean, it seems like, um, you know, the Rams' defense has struggled. They played really well against CU for a while, but then it all kind of fell apart. And, you know, the 44 – or 34 straight points last week, not a good look. Yeah, I mean they uh, they had stats that suggest they should be good. They um, have a lot of sacks. They are able to force turnovers, um, but they just really have been out of out of sync defensively. Like I mentioned on first down, they allowed over eight yards on first downs this past week, and that's kind of been a theme for much of the season. They feel like they've been playing behind the sticks a, a little bit defensively, and they get some game changing plays on occasion, but not enough to make a difference so far. So yeah, I, I just don't think Boise state is going to drop this one to, to CSU. All right, real quick, air force, Wyoming. Uh, yeah, I'll take air force. I, I really do think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. Um, so I'll take 17, 16 Ooh. air force um, on, I, I think the, the air force will, will jump out to maybe like a 10, nothing lead. Um, Wyoming responds, maybe they go up 14-10 or a 13-10, something like that. And then uh, Air Force has one of those grinded out drives at the end of the game to, to seal it. Because um, this is going to be one of those one of those games I said that's that's one on turnovers. Um, and, and maybe Air Force gets a, gets a late turnover to, to seal it. But I, I think uh, I think Air Force will pull out a win here. And because I do think this could be a special season for them. And uh, this will be this is the first big test. Well, they've had they've had some big tests already, but this is the biggest of them so far. Yeah, I just think home field's going to matter in this game. I think if this game was up in uh, up in Laramie, I think it may be a little different because yeah, I think sure. Air Force – I don't know if Air Force was undefeated going up there last year and lost. I can't remember, but I know they went up there and lost. And it was something like 16-10 or something like that too. Yeah. And I don't know, probably some driving rainstorm or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't quite remember. But um, as someone who has uh, – my wife has family in Laramie, so I've been there. Uh yeah, Air Force close. I said maybe 2017, something like that. They'll stay undefeated. They'll probably be ranked 25th on Sunday. And, yeah, I mean, I, I have to look deeper at their schedule, but Air Force could really run the table. It would be pretty amazing. Yeah, that, it could, like I said, it could be a special season down there. Um, and, and our colleague Brent Brigham will have full coverage of that because, um, like I said, people have been emailing me dreaming about a CU Air Force potential bowl game, but I think Air Force is going to be too good for CU. Air Force is going to get a better bowl game. Yeah. yeah. All right. So <laughs> na national schedule wise, uh, you know, kind of the best games we've already talked about. But what else did you like? Yeah, the Pac-12 is certainly the best uh, has the best games nationally. Um, but I mean, Miami North Carolina should be yeah. a pretty good game. Obviously, uh, Miami last week was the coaching disaster of the century, if you want to call it that. Um, I can't believe they stayed in the rankings after that. Uh, disaster in the final minute against Georgia Tech I mean I don't know how close you were following that but just oh I saw it yeah. <laughs> everybody everybody in the press box at ASU was just dumbfounded at what was going on there um, and now they have to go to North Carolina this week play against a future top 
two NFL draft pick and quarterback Drake May, and that'll be a, that'll be an interesting game uh, for sure. Um, around the rest around the country, Kansas Oklahoma State could be a pretty good game. Kansas bounced back um, last week with, with an impressive win after they they dropped to they've lost in big fashion to Texas. They beat up on UCF this past week, um, but yeah, I think the the best the best games nationally are going to be in the Pac-12. I mean, this Oregon-Washington State, this Oregon-Washington game, excuse me, is the game of the year so far. And maybe it'll be end up being the game of the year in general, just because even with how great that um, Red River rivalry game was last week, kind of one of those instant classics, but I think this Oregon-Washington game is going to be something else. Yeah, and it's in that great window, that 130 window here, mountain time. Yeah. That would be a good one. Yeah, The Miami stuff, like I kind of had it on in the background, and I was like, Wait, what just happened? I, I cannot believe yeah. uh, and, you know, maybe Bronco fans want to watch that game because the Broncos have a top three pick. Maybe they'll be interested in Drake May. So maybe that, Yeah, maybe. Drake May. Broncos will definitely in the next couple of weeks, months, I think be on Caleb Williams, Drake May, Bo Nix watch for sure. Uh, <laughs> I think it'll, the Broncos fans will be asking me a lot about Shador Sanders and some of the other quarterbacks in college football in the coming months. I, You know, we've talked about this, but I still think Shador stays one more year. So do I. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, there's still going to be a plethora of really good quarterbacks available when the, uh, the Broncos pick, I, I assume in next April. All right, Tyler, uh, this is a little bit of a different week. So uh, why don't we, uh, why don't you let people know what you guys coming? Yeah. So obviously I've got, I've got two games to cover this week. Um, I haven't been able to cover a CSU game besides the, the Rocky mountain showdown. Um, but yeah, Friday night, uh, eight o'clock kickoff at, at Folsom, for CU Stanford. And then the following night, 745 kickoff up in Fort Collins for CSU Boise State. I'll have, um, you know, some instant reaction type coverage for both those games, my usual three takeaways. Um, and then I'll have some follow-up stories, you know, throughout the weekend on, on whatever transpires out there. So uh, stay tuned for that. And then I'll have my typical college football insider on Saturday and I'll be previewing kind of the, the Oregon-Washington game because I think you can tell how excited I am to watch that yeah. game um, and how big of a deal I think it is nationally for, for the season as a whole. So, uh, yeah, let's stay on the lookout for that. You know, typical typical coverage stuff. We'll have a, a Q&A with kicker Alejandro Mata for Friday's paper. You know, we, got, we spoke to him this week after um, he was kind of the talk of the town over the weekend for his big kick in Tempe. So uh, plenty of good stuff to look for. Yeah, and, you know, um, so make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or Spotify. And also, you know, we're, we're going full now. We got everything going pretty much. Uh, you know, Broncos playing tomorrow night. So Chris Thomason and Paul Clear out in KC. Uh, Kyle Fredrickson is with the Colorado Avalanche. Does they open their season tonight in L.A.? So he's out there. So check out that. Nuggets played a preseason game last night. It is full go on sports. So make sure to check all of it out at DenverGazette.com. Subscribe to this podcast. And Tyler, we will catch up next week. All right. Thanks, Chris. See you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.